0: Hello, this is Dirk Hare. I'm a partner in the Fox Rothschild's Washington DC office and co-chair of Fox's National Construction Practice Group. This is the first of a series of construction conversations with industry leaders that I'm going to be co-hosting with Brian Perlberg. Uh, Brian is the head of AGC's contract documents and consensus documents program. This series has come about from a few conversations over the last few months that Brian and I have been having about trying to bring some new and innovative content, the construction industry generally, but also to highlight AGC and its efforts and its leadership and uh, the contract documents program and the consensus docs that are produced by the uh, team of of volunteers at AGC. In this series of podcasts, we're going to talk with industry leaders uh, about their professional careers, their personal lives and their AGC involvement. To get us going on this first edition, we have with us today, I'm very excited to say, Les Snyder. Les is a longtime construction industry leader. He's currently leading the Brightline West high-speed train program in Las Vegas, the sister project to the Brightline project in the Miami to Orlando line, a very exciting project that we're going to talk about today. Les is also currently the Senior Vice President of National AGC and will become AGC's national president next March at the convention. We're very excited to have Les with us today. Why don't you tell us about where you were born?
1: Well, thanks, Dirk. I was
0: actually born in a
1: very small town called Donaldsonville, Louisiana, right on the banks of the Mississippi River, and happened to be the second project where my father served as superintendent on a major marine project after he got out of engineering
0: school. That's great. And uh, I know you've spent a great deal of your uh, growing up years in, in Pittsburgh. Maybe you can give us some background on growing up in Pittsburgh. I assume you're probably a Steelers fan.
1: Of course. Once a Steelers fan, always a Steelers fan, Dirk. You know that. <laughs> in a tough division against your Ravens, Dirk and I always share some robust conversation during football season. But... Yes, I did grow up in Pittsburgh, and a large amount of that was my father's company, Dravo Corporation's headquarters were there, and we eventually moved back there. I can distinctly remember at that time and first going to Pittsburgh, coming out of the tunnel through the bridge, City of Bridges, as everybody knows Pittsburgh, but still looking down the river and seeing the steel mills with the coke gases being burned off. It was uh, quite a sight all of that is gone today any of you that have been to pittsburgh would recognize it as a very upscale and uh, innovative town respective of its environmental uh situation all of that is gone and uh, just fabulous river uh, edge facilities exist entertainment venues and all that including the steelers stadium
0: (laughs) yes that is the site of uh, some pain for me as a ravens fan and brian
2: uh, as well who who's uh,
0: my fellow ravens.
2: I've been to the Pittsburgh stadium and watched the Ravens with a strip stack of Joe Flacco lose a playoff game in Pittsburgh but I got to say I think the Ravens are looking pretty good this year and when they visit Pittsburgh uh, I think less you might be disappointed by the results this year.
1: I'll concede that the Steelers have a rebuilding uh, duration coming up, especially with Ben retiring.
0: So let's see. We've all got the fall to look forward to. So, Les, why don't you share with us how and when you became interested in construction as, as
1: a career? I alluded to this in my intro questions there, but I'm actually third generation of being in the construction business. My grandfather, after World War I, he was a draftsman for... J&L Steel and and rose through the ranks to be a senior executive with J&L Steel, designing you know different members and, and reinforcing steel, and basically got to know every contractor on the East Coast. I actually found a picture of him with a hat from the 1950s, uh, 1950 Moles Clan Bank. My father was a. Uh, graduate civil engineer, actually from my alma mater as well, University of Pittsburgh, and went on to work his way through the business as a superintendent and project manager, a specialist in, in marine construction. As I tell most people, I just never knew what else to do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's great. I know your civil engineering degree came from the University of Pittsburgh. So once you graduated from Pitt, what was your first job? Um,
1: I started as a project engineer pre-construction at a company by the name of Dick Corporation, which focused on uh, graduates from from the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, Interestingly enough, because it took my father 14 years to get his degree uh, due to two tours in Europe in World War II and a tour of duty in Korea. He actually graduated at the same time, the, the then president of Dick Corporation, since I'm the third, I was well known and it wasn't any doubt after many other job offers that I needed to go work in the family at Dick Corporation.
0: Well, that's awesome. Maybe you can share with us then your career progression after you got your first start at at the Dick Corporation. That's
1: a, you know a great uh, question and it causes me a lot of thought. But I've been so blessed to have been exposed to about every facet of our industry through and over many geographies, between the US, Canada, Mexico, and the Caribbean. I believe that much of my progression came through the old adage, throw them into the deep end and see if you can swim. I'm still on the top of the surface, it worked. So That first position, we traveled all over the country proposing and bidding on uh, major projects. I can remember the expansion to LAX for the 1984 Olympics. This was such a wonderful opportunity to view the tremendous opportunities in the construction industry it went into project management 1st, uh, major effort. There was uh, around 1988 when I got to a troubled 50 story high rise project in Philadelphia. I then was convinced to move into business development, which at that time was viewed as a uh, took a lot of people to dinners and played a lot of golf. I just didn't think that was going to get me there. So I made up my not mind to change that around and, and lend the operational and pre-construction expertise to how to develop business and was extraordinarily successful and, and very proud of that. Went on to design and build uh, an infamous Disney project, Castaway Key, which is truly today one of my favorite projects and was then in the executive leadership there at American Bridge and on to Bark Mallow. Went into the business in Pittsburgh for a private equity firm, learned tremendous amount and engaged in mergers and acquisitions, then publicly traded international parent company, and here we are today looking over the design and construction of Brightline West.
0: So, with all of that industry background, I'm curious to know some say today that the top three issues in construction are workforce, workforce, and workforce. What's your view on the workforce issue and, and maybe other issues that keep you up at night?
1: For certain, and in, in every conversation amongst peers in the construction industry, workforce is a critical issue. What I would say to that for our conversation today, I highly recommend the c- construction profession in both. Everything from engineering to management, to craft work, to our young people coming up, but the core of this workforce issue for far too long, we have not addressed the negative stigmas that society has placed on the construction industry. I believe we must again, popularize the construction industry for what it truly is. We repeatedly create modes of safe transportation, vibrant buildings where we work, live and enjoy. And facilities that produce energy, provide clean drinking water, and so much more. We hardly take credit that the construction industry is within the top five contributors to the gross domestic products in the United States. And now we've become one of the largest users and developers of technology when a very short period ago we were accused of lacking in that area. But at the end of the day, society would be in pretty bad shape without the construction industry. And as a career the construction industry this provides all the attributes of adventure and accomplishment, any young person could imagine. I think the sky's the limit for everyone as large as it is one of the great things of all of us help to make it feel like
0: 1 big family. I, I know you mentioned you're now at Brightline West. I'm curious to know that this is one of the nation's uh, most fascinating infrastructure projects. How's it coming? How's that development project coming?
1: We're in the midst of uh, putting together our packaging, going to financial markets, projected the end of this year, early uh, 2023 with financial close we'll be breaking ground by second quarter of 23 and looking uh, to be in service here between los angeles and uh, las vegas in four to five years so it's a very aggressive project but it will solve so many transportation issues in an extraordinarily sustainable manner our trains are all electric they will be the first true high-speed uh, passenger rail, privately held in the United States. Our lines in Florida are faster trains and so forth, but the line from Las Vegas to Los Angeles will be on par with the trains in Europe, Taiwan, and other places in the world, reaching uh, speeds close to 200 miles per hour in some spots of the route.
0: Are you concerned about inflation and supply shortages, given the the large size of the project and the, uh, the multi-year timeline, or is that not uh, currently a concern. Those are clearly concerns. we we talked
1: about workforce, material shortages, potential of future pandemics, but the strength of our organization is why we are aggressively building through a a very organized pre-construction design phase right now head off and address all of those subjects so there are no surprises when we do break ground. It's a major effort. It's the same that much of our construction peers know about and the firms we're working with. But the only way you can ever resolve or uh, solve these issues is get ahead of them, and that's what we're taking advantage of this time period right now. And now I'd like to
0: talk about your work with AGC over the years. Most recently, you chaired the AGC Climate Change Task Force and were awarded the Chairman of the Year for your work. Can you tell us a little bit about the task force's work and why you think this is an important issue?
1: First, let me address the expect. I, the, I never had an expectation of winning the chair of the year. and My friend Bob Lanham and the Board of Governors, it was purely a shock, but I take that opportunity to say that this uh, all came together with the work of many folks in AGC of America. Many of those, <clears throat> excuse me, that when asked dropped everything else and, and came to the rescue. The fact is that we took on the topic of climate change because it's front and center to the construction industry and it's gonna be with us for <clears throat> the foreseeable long future. Our job that we took on was to identify how we were gonna achieve some of the goals that have been set out there and bring realism around it. You know, far too often the construction industry gets accused of not paying attention to these issues, and it's exactly the opposite. AGC of America and its contracting members have long addressed sustainable practices. The fact of the matter is the determination of what we build by owners is far more of an effect on the environment than how we build. So we did not let that stand in our way. And, and what we uncovered in our first task force, we now have multiple task force addressing specific issues while these goals and, uh, are set on how to become carbon neutral and zero greenhouse gas emissions. We took on the how we're going to get there. There's a lot of data out there. and It is extraordinarily impressive. So many of our members have already implemented practices, very advanced technology, and it's our job as a task force to get those out and AGC of America to become the library of where all our members can go to know how to solve these issues and address climate
0: change. And going back to the start, when did you first become involved with AGC? That's a great question.
1: Um, Early in my career, I was attending chapter meetings in the areas I work, Pittsburgh, Chicago, Philadelphia. My first AGC of America meeting was in 1993, and I so well remember the Sagamore in Lake George, New York. My second daughter had been born months earlier, so it was a big challenge for my wife to come with me, but she uh, always reminds me of the story of doing that. Actually I was in awe that I was actually in meetings next to leaders of some of the uh, country's largest and most successful construction companies. It was like going to the world series of construction sitting in the dugout. It was a big marker for me and I jumped right in with both feet and started working on the committee.
0: How would you say AGC has helped your career and the companies you've worked for?
1: There's no doubt, networking and relationships. They are vast and truly AGC of America and its chapters provide each of us that opportunity. It's just how much you want to seize on that. And Darkey, with that question, you remind me, after all, you and I met when you were part of AGC of America staff in the late 90s. We went on to create a great friendship along with our families, a great relationship. Yeah, your daughter visits my oldest daughter in New York all the time. We could write a book on all the challenges we've worked through. I'm happy to say the vast majority have been successes. Through AGC, I've built so many friendships like that. and can be in any part of this country and know someone's close to solve a business issue, form a joint venture, or just lend a hand personally. That's the strength of AGC.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. It's been my great experience as well. My only regret here is that when we met, we were the youngest guys in the room. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm so happy to
1: say there's a lot more of the younger guys in the room now to carry on the, the tradition. <laughs>
0: Uh, Brian, hey, I I would like you to share a little bit about your work with contract documents and how less than the leadership at AGC has really been important to the growth of of the Consensus Docs program.
2: Thanks, Dirk. You might not know this, even though you worked at AGC, that our original 1918 bylaws called for the creation of fair and balanced construction contract documents. It was only through more recent history that the leadership Said, hey, why don't we come up with a full set of documents? And then folks like Les and others on the AGC board have were incredibly supportive of actually getting rid of AGC contract documents and throwing them in the ring and trying to have a true industry standard so we can have a better foundation to start. That took a lot of courage because AGC had a very successful contract documents program. Less and others on the board were Fully engaged on that effort and decided to take less credit. And again, to throw the hat in the ring with everybody else. So owners are part of consensus stocks equally with AGC and have an equal voice in the creation of the contract documents. You know, Les, what's been your view of the role of contracts? I mean, I often say you can't say uh, general contractor without contracts. What are you seeing? or What's your view on the role of what we've been able to accomplish, and and what you're seeing in the marketplace?
1: We're in a challenging market. We've come through COVID, and speaking of contract uh, issues, we all know that created many. Now we're pulling out of such a market, and there's more work uh, than resources can. The look from the construction industry on contracts is pretty focused. And we're addressing many of the issues that we just never had to before, especially with workforce shortages, the potential of scheduled delays, material and shortfalls in delivery schedules. These are critical issues that we see contractors of all size faced with. Brian, you remind me of... How we got started with consensus docs. And it goes all the way back to became a tremendous partnership when we implemented and formed the Private Industry Advisory Council, or PIAC today being the public and private industry council. We actually went with the owners and they agreed. We spent hours and hours with owners that were interested in having fair and balanced agreements. Many of them being with large corporations, realizing that they might actually not be able to use those agreements, but willing to work with us and dedicate their time to the industry to better it, which was a big initial benefit of the Consensus Stocks initiative.
2: I wanted to pick up on one thing that you mentioned before, how you and, and Dirk have faced challenges over the years. As a construction attorney, I'm curious, if I'm a construction attorney, but you're a construction executive. What's your view of using a construction attorney and what role they play? I get the sense that the stereotype is that attorneys are someone you call as a last resort. But I I feel like there's a new generation of using construction attorneys more collaboratively and proactively. Well,
1: from my side of how I've grown and evolved and been mentored in this business, Our job is to build, but without a doubt, we're in the riskiest business that exists. Going to court and having claims is a distraction to that focus. Having a construction attorney that believes in adding to your philosophy as a solution provider and not merely going to court all the time, that involves a relationship early on and repeatedly with that we look forward we look down the road at what can come and hit us and get in front of that and solve it beforehand as i said we've been through many challenges that doesn't work every single time there are certain customers that make it more difficult to resolve issues in an early manner but again this relationship and the specific one with fox roth's child and dirk and his associates has always led us to be able to get ahead and focus on solutions before they become problems.
0: Thank you, Brian, for making sure that we are highlighting the the good work of consensus docs and the efforts. Les, as we start to get toward the end of our time here, you mentioned your wife, Denise, and daughters, Sarah and Jenna, who I can attest to have been to dozens, if not hundreds, of AGC meetings. So I'd be curious to know, and I know our podcast listeners would love to know what Sarah and Jenna are doing these days. I think they're both out of college at this point.
1: They are. Thank you for that, because they're the pride of my life. Sarah has moved on to Manhattan and swears she will be there her whole life. She weathered through COVID and actually successfully got married. Not nearly the way they envisioned, but a great husband. Her profession is she is a senior producer for the Today Show on NBC. She's done fabulous work. So much so, she just finished uh, a a cooking series with Savannah Guthrie, and they they had a a great time doing it. I was kidding her that she has the dream job of all dream jobs, but she works incredibly strong. And gets a great lot of accolades my youngest jenna she graduated from nursing school university of pittsburgh went on and her passion was oncology uh, nursing she started at md anderson which was one of the top if not the top cancer treatment centers in the country then after getting her graduate degree she was recruited by advent health in all places of orlando which is where her growing up years were spent she's living a mile and a half from her friends since six years old. She's loving life and she's about to get married. Thank you for asking. They've been a big part of AGC and they remember all their times and relationships, going back and forth to the AGC meetings and how blessed they were to have those experiences. Denise is keeping me in line as she always has. She continues to play a lot of tennis, but her latest passion is volunteering as Friends of Rookery Bay. Which is the basin around uh, our home in Marco Island? She's got a passion for looking after the uh, marine environment so much so she's out even shark tagging uh, to wee hours of the morning, which I never envisioned. But she's doing great. Like I said, she keeps me uh, going, and and I love her to death.
0: That's great. As I mentioned at the start, you're you're currently AGC National Senior Vice President, and will be the next president of AGC. Can you share? With our audience the roles of the agc officers and your plans for your term as president sure currently as
1: you said i'm senior vice president dan fordice from fordice construction mississippi he is president and we're following through his charge of forward with agc it's going to be a great ride backing up both of us just got finished serving with bob lanham and jeff de on a on a two-year stint getting the organization through COVID, AGC of America's staff, fantastic. They uh, reacted to the COVID period and jumped into business and and helped get through so many tremendous charges that this industry withstood. Then Tom Brown from Sierra Pacific Construction San Diego is vice president. Tom will move forward with me as senior vice president next year. Henry Massman is our chairman this year and another example of AGC family. My father's first construction job was uh, putting in the bridge piers of New Orleans River uh, Bridge, which is currently the Crescent City Bridge. That was his company. And then Henry Massman's uh, company came in and put the bridge structure on top of it. We nice. joke about that, who could remember such things, but that's an example of the strength of our AGC family and how the longevity of those relationships goes. So what I see is uh, along my plans for, you know, as president, is to follow up and carry on with Dan's mission. But I have an awfully large passion in the new generations entering the construction industry, both in management, workforce, and, and promoting the opportunities for them. They're so diverse and smart and AGC of America's charge to make sure we open more and more doors for all that are involved. I have a lot of faith and, and again, my plan as President is to keep opening those doors. I believe just as we did when we started our careers, any challenges, we just plowed ahead and figured out the solution. This generation and the incoming generations are gonna be finding solutions just differently with technology and so forth, but they'll figure it out and we'll carry on. What do you see as the future of construction? Again, that strength in these new generations. They have a passion, For seeing how we can build faster and build smart, there's a passion for a broader involvement and that brings in the diversity, the sustainability and looking at the environment and how what we do could affect it. As I said earlier, we must affect our owners who build buildings and build facilities to encourage them with solutions and just make sure that the longevity of the facility of things we build are actually sustainable. I see it as a tremendous bright spot, and we just got to find more of them that attract to the construction industry in management, leadership, and workforce.
0: What's something about yourself, a hobby uh, or something else that might surprise our listeners?
1: Being in Marco, it was always our dream, but I love boating, fishing, snorkeling. I love the manly work and fix things. I'm accused of overthinking how to do it, though. That's kind of my way of you know, getting back into the old engineering. but. My wife, Denise, uh, tells me that I'm just wasting time fucking around. That's one of her Deniseisms. She's probably right, but I do enjoy it.
0: As we wrap up our first Construction Conversations Industry Leader podcast, what is the best advice that you can share that helped you become such a successful industry leader? That's
1: really a great question. I have to preface the blessing that I had of just having great mentors, which included my father, president of Dick Corporation, who spent so much time with young people. It's engaged me to do the same. Advice here is persist to resolve every issue and always forge ahead with optimism. It's a challenging business, and you got to stay optimistic. Find solutions, never problems. And your attitude can be the single largest influencer on your success so make sure it is one that commands respect develops followership and provides empathy for others but holding accountability to carry your team forward that's the best advice i can think
0: well that's terrific uh thank you so much les for joining us today and brian thank you so much for joining us i appreciate all your efforts brian on leading the consensus docs effort which is so important to our industry I so would just like to thank all of our listeners today for, for joining us, and uh, we'll look forward to doing this again in another couple of months with, with another industry leader. Thank you, everyone, for joining us.